Hi, I'm Nicole Ferraro, and this is The Divide, a podcast from Light Reading exploring the ongoing digital divide, why and where it still exists, and what needs to be done to get people everywhere connected to reliable, high-speed internet. Today, I'm talking with some of the team behind Dryden Fiber, a new municipal fiber network being deployed in the town of Dryden in upstate New York. In this conversation, you'll hear from Jason Liefer, Dryden Town Supervisor, Ryan Garrison, Director of Technology at Hunt Engineers, Architects, and Surveyors, and Gina Neenaber, Director of Portfolio Marketing at Siena. We discuss the digital divide in the town of Dryden, how the decision to create a municipal broadband network came about, the timeline for this project, and much more. Jason, Gina, and Ryan, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Um, I'm just going to dive right in with, with questions for you all. Uh, and I think it would be great to start out with Jason. Um, Jason, if you could tell me a bit about the town of Dryden. Uh, what kind of community is it? You know, what, what do you guys got going on um, economically? What kind of industry is there? And, and what has broadband service been like historically? Sure. Uh, well, thanks for having us. And, um, so, so Dryden is a town right outside of the um, city of Ithaca. Um, we're bordered by Cortland County, so we're sandwiched between you know, Cornell University, SUNY Cortland. We're actually only an hour drive from SUNY Binghamton. There's also Ithaca College and Tompkins uh, Cortland Community College within Dryden, and Ithaca College is just on the other side of the city. But so our primary, I guess, economic engine is education. But Dryden also has some high-tech businesses like Encodema 3D, which they do uh, aircraft parts. We just had a factory, a furniture factory move up from New Jersey called Knickerbocker. But we also have a historically large farming community. Um, the, I think the largest organic dairy farm in the Northeast is in Dryden. Um, and now I, I know we're going to start being uh, probably a player in the emerging cannabis industry as far as farming goes, because there's one farm that applied uh, for a permit. Um, and, you know, there's a mix of like, a constant influx of new people, but there's also longtime residents here, too. Um, and it's about and the total size is about 15,000 people. So we have, but we have definite areas that are more rural that you would find in, you know, more, uh, you know, sparsely populated towns, but then some areas that are very suburban looking. And as far as broadband service goes, we've had a mix of, um, you know, cable, internet, um, brought through the traditional cable provider system. There's been DSL, we, uh, you know, back, I mean, I've been on the board since 2008 and supervisor for the last six years, but uh, in 2008, we brought a wireless uh, internet provider, uh, which is one of the first grants we helped out on with a public-private partnership. But people have also used satellite services. Um, but, you know, ever since I've been on the board, people haven't been happy with any of these things. So anyhow, we have all these uh, different this mishmash of private services. Um, we've never had a municipal service. So what the whole you know, genesis of this project came about in uh, 2018 during the time we were negotiating along with some other towns with uh, the predominant cable provider in the county, which at that time was Charter Spectrum, um, about just build out because most people really didn't care about television 
but the only way the only vehicle we had to to have uh, broadband expanded was through these cable television franchise agreements. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we found was that they just weren't interested in in building out uh, in the rural areas where there wasn't service. Um, you know, we we would we we're trying to actually get down to a level of uh, you know the density level they use in other states like Vermont. Um, and they wouldn't budge. So the state public service commission, because it, you know, it doesn't have any jurisdiction over internet services uh, at that, they, they had no way to force them to build out, even if all we wanted was fiber. So what had, what was going on and what's been going on in New York state are these small fiber providers who really only, uh, can build out at any, um, you know, uh, volume when they get when they get grant money Mm -hmm. and and what they do is they just add to their assets and and all of the big isps across the country do the same thing whenever the government comes up with broadband money it really just gets put onto their balance sheets they build yeah they'll build fiber or they'll upgrade equipment usually they upgrade equipment um and they don't actually serve more people Mm -hmm. so during this last meeting um with you know, with charter, I just told them, I asked them point you know, if we gave you money to do this, who's going to own the asset, everything. And, and they said they would. And I'm like, well, that's not going to happen. I'm driving. So then I told them I'd find my own money. So, so it wasn't too long after that. Um, I ran into, uh, I met one of Ryan's colleagues, uh, Sean Muldoon at, uh, out of Hunt. And he, and I was, and, you know, he was looking around to, um, you know, do some other business in Dryden. Like we have, we hire a town engineer. We do other infrastructure projects. And I was just like, well, this is what we really need. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 that's the genesis of it. It was just sort of uh, frustration with the status quo. And and New York State, you know, never has had an explicit prohibition against um, municipal broadband. Right. Um, like, you know, there's other states like Pennsylvania that, that do, except for uh, some county level that Ryan can talk about. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then, then there's other places that have done it, like North Carolina and Raleigh did it years ago. And then Time Warner said, we can't have that. And they had the state ban it everywhere else in the state. Yeah. I was and wondering, I, if, yeah, did Charter give you a hard time? They have not. Okay. Um, you know, for, <laughs> but I've also, you know, they've sent their government, um, you know, uh, I guess representative. They're they they have a government relations rep, and Ryan was at that meeting. <laughs> I think he knows me pretty well right now. That it was just if they were there to try to scare us off, it was it didn't work. Okay, um, I mean because my town's also the one that you know we we were sued because we banned hydrofracking. So I kind of mm-hmm. like in my first you know quiver in my uh, I guess my first you know scratch on the post is uh, kicking Anschutz Petroleum out of New York. <laughs> pretty happy about that nice work yes yeah so so it's like they didn't there was there was no way i was going to back down on this one anyway unless we couldn't find the money it was going to happen that's part of the way i feel about it and and it's good that the state's catching up because while there was no explicit prohibition state law really didn't do anything to help us out Mm. uh, because um you know throughout the project our, our attorney is like well there's no specific grant of authority and, and while new york's a, a, a very 
home, much a home rule state. So we had to operate under this general broad, you know, health, safety, welfare power, which is the same thing we did for fracking. But you know, there, you know, we were, we had the, uh, I guess the, at least the historic, you know, land use authority of zoning that wasn't, uh, that, that's always been pretty explicit in even case law. We didn't have that here, but the biggest problem has been the financing because bond council is extremely conservative mm. about this. And so they're, they're, they were looking for, uh, um, you know, more explicit authority. So we tried to go with our friends at the comptroller's office first and mm-hmm. they weren't willing to go out on that limb. So we ended up getting a bill, pat, you know, a, a part, language in the budget that actually explicitly gives authority to all municipalities in New York to do, do what we're doing. So that's a huge win. I don't think, I think Ryan, I don't even think he's, he's seen that anywhere else. And that's in this, this year's budget? New York or? State, yes. In this past state budget, we got that passed. Amazing. Um, and we're going to be getting some bonding language passed. And then next hurdle is going to be, uh, and I suppose I could talk about it later, the, the intermunicipal issue, because um, New York has this thing of villages within towns, even, even though everyone who lives in a village votes in town elections and pays town taxes, there's now an apparent hurdle of well, they're they're town residents, but not really town residents for the purpose of broadband mm-hmm. bonding, and and it's now it's yet another. I feel like it's a hurdle on a on a, on a track that we have to jump over, and yeah. I, I, we'll figure it out. But it's it's so the, this myth of New York being this great progressive state about enabling things is a total lie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell me about it. Some other things too, but. <laughs> But this one is one we're encountering right now. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna um, hesitate to take that one because I'll I'll take us off on a tangent for the next three yeah. hours. Um, so I'm going to jump over to Ryan um, for a moment here. Uh, Ryan, if you could tell you know pick up uh, off uh, on where Jason's left off um, and tell me a bit more about Hunt's role in this project and and, and generally speaking how you guys come in and and, and help um, municipalities like Dryden um, take charge of their their broadband futures. Sure. So, you know, we're a full service architectural and engineering firm. So we do all sorts of things and, and being local to New York state and and Northern tier of Pennsylvania, it's really, you know, you fall into a very community, community oriented firm. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we build relationships with people in different towns and municipalities. And really that's how, you know, we, we best serve our customers. Um, you know, and being of that municipal nature of where we do public utilities such as water and wastewater systems, uh, it came about in Pennsylvania where some commissioners were struggling with the divide issue and they called me in to just be a third party to help them walk through the issue. And uh, which was great because I, I truly feel that one of the biggest hurdles that communities face with broadband is that they don't understand it quite the way, like for example, Jason does. Mm-hmm. So when, um, you know, a, a representative of an incumbent provider comes in and talks to Jason, uh, you know, he's educated enough in broadband to know uh, what's what, what's, you know, right and what's wrong. Um, you know, so uh, the in, in Pennsylvania, we found creative ways to build middle mile. Uh, they couldn't directly provide service. So we got some very talented legal representation and had it defined that this wasn't technically service. This was a lease situation. And uh, we were able to uh, build middle mile infrastructure 
that served a bunch of purposes, but also uh, expand existing providers down into that area. If you build it, they will come. Uh, well, they kind of came, you know, it's those things are, you know, mixed results. Yeah. So, uh, but in the back of my mind, knowing what I know as a, a, a municipal engineer and water systems, sewer systems, that this request, uh, similar to what Dryden is doing, where they're going to directly provide broadband services to the residents, I knew that was going to come from somebody. It was just a matter of time. And then when Sean Muldoon, who, who, uh, who met with Jason, uh, said that they, they had expressed interest in doing something like this, I said, all right, I've been thinking about this for a while and I know exactly what's going to be needed uh, to get it done because for, for a couple of different reasons. Mm-hmm. First, our, by our nature, we're used to these types of projects, big budgets, uh, permitting, uh, municipal systems. That was like right within our wheelhouse. Um, you know, and then we also work with uh, existing private providers, you know, so we've seen some sort of how that business model works as well. And that really the question was, and this is always the question, how do you pay for it? Mm-hmm. It's the project's going to go nowhere unless you've got your funding lined up or you have an idea of where that might come from uh, or a business plan that might generate uh, enough, you know, uh, funds to do something like that. So that was really the key in this whole thing. And to do that, we, we put a survey out to the town residents to basically gauge their interest. Say, this is what we're looking at doing. Uh, would you support it? And they came back overwhelmingly stating uh, that they would support something like this. Okay, so there's our green light to move forward. Um, and it also evaluated some business models, whether it was like an open architecture or uh, the town buying uh, wholesale broadband uh, wholesale bandwidth and redistributing it to the residents uh, and collecting a service fee for that. Um, and then, and ultimately that's the model we landed on because of the benefits that it could provide. Um, you know, uh, one of the difficulties with some of these models is that, you know, if you, if you have to finance infrastructure, um, it's very difficult to make the business model work if you're not collecting all of the service fee. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if you do an open architecture where multiple providers are on your network, I mean, ultimately, you're responsible for all the physical infrastructure. So that's not going away. Um, but yet you're only collecting half half the subscri- subscription fee in most cases. So it makes the business model very difficult. So, you know, once we worked our way through those things and realized that, you know, we can just buy it wholesale, resell it. Um, you know, I, we think that that's going to be the best way for us to really uh, pass value along to the customers. Um, one of the things we've said is we're going to set our base rate at $45 per month for customers to start. Um, but we're going to, uh, look at that rate, um, mm-hmm. because as a nonprofit, uh, you know, this is part of the town, uh, you know, we, after the debt is that service is paid off. Um, you know, we have, we're going to have to reduce rates or, or figure out, some, uh, reinvest in the network in some way. Um, you know, and then so uh, and then as far as finding the money that goes along, you know, we kind of put together a strategy of where um, the town had some immediate funds from uh, the America Rescue Plan mm-hmm. Act. Uh, so that was that combined with uh, some Appalachian Regional Commission funding that we received was going to be our startup money. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we worked with a, another local financing municipal financing company in the area to uh, further, you know, put uh, ban- uh, bond anticipation notes and then bond uh, uh, bond strategy together for us to borrow the money. Now, 
in the upcoming years, there's going to be a lot of funding opportunities, which essentially is coming from the federal government, will be assigned to the state, and the states will run a program. Um, and we're kind of poised for that. Uh, we know that that's only going to apply for certain areas, so we'll have to get creative, much like we did with the uh, Appalachian Regional Commission funding, uh, in order to uh, find areas that aren't tied to insufficient bandwidth, because we're, we're looking more at a, of this as a ubiquitous coverage model. Um, and, you know, one thing I learned right off the bat in, in Pennsylvania is everybody wanted to pick apart service maps and figure out where the gaps were. And that's good. It's just very laborious and it's not necessarily direct directly tied to any funding. You know, they use their own sources when they review funding applications. So to me, it was more like, let's go look at those sources. Let's see what's available uh, for funding and go for that area. Let's, let's let the funding drive our service areas, not what we believe to be underserved because there's a lot of wasted motion in, in those efforts. So, mm -hmm. um, and, and, Dryden, you know, they really saw that coming from a mile away and said, you know what, we're going to look at what funding sources we have available. We're going to go for ubiquitous coverage and we're going to uh, piecemeal this thing together. Okay. Wow. Um, Gina, I'm going to turn to you to, to talk a little bit about the technology. Um, tell me a bit about how Sienna came into this project, what products are being used for fiber delivery here, and, and why do they work in this particular area of New York? And, um, and what are the challenges to delivering fiber broadband in Dryden that, that are being addressed by, by Sienna? Yeah, so uh, thanks, thanks for that question. Um, for the new network, I think uh, Dryden and Hunt worked very closely with our team um, to, to look at a solution we offer. And ultimately they selected Sienna's universal aggregation solution. And uh, I believe they made this choice and they can speak for themselves today. And <laughs> um, in, in order to uh, meet their business needs. So the, the capabilities of the solution, uh, uh, you know, meets the, the needs uh, of the business um, and, and, Jason and Ryan have both spoken about that already, uh, the needs of the business. So Sienna's uh, universal aggregation solution, it's really compact in size. It's temperature hardened. These are some of the characteristics of it. It, it makes it really ideal for rural areas. Um, it can serve both residential and, and business services. And um, when you really break it down, it's a broadband solution that utilizes um, XGS PON technology products you know, where they can start in the residence with uh, basically cost-effective residential uh, equipment or what we call ONUs and, and connect those to pluggable uh, micro OLT transceivers. And, and these transceivers go into routers. So this is kind of technical, but, um, you know, you can host up to 32 micro OLTs. And and, um, and so what, what ends up happening here is you have a, a a fully a, a whole system that can be fully managed, uh, and um, as Dryden's uh, business needs change over time, then you can easily add business service services, for instance. So start with residential, expand to business, and I would say, um, as far as challenges are concerned, uh, I, I think it's all about what I'm hearing from uh, Jason and Ryan is, is that 
it's all about providing modern broad, broadband network services to the town. And sounds like time to market is important and future-proofing, uh, a solution that's future-proofed that will allow them additional revenue uh, opportunities, if you will, in order to reinvest into that architecture so it can sustain over some period of time is really important. And so I think I would, I would give the mic back to Jason and Ryan to really uh, explain in their own words what some of the challenges are of delivering fiber broadband in Dryden <laughs> and how the Sienna solution really uh, fits their needs. For uh, sure. I think they're best uh, equipped <laughs> to answer that from in their own words. Well, thank you, Gina. And I, I was going to turn back to you, Jason, to kind of uh, feel free to illuminate some of those challenges um, that that uh, you need technology solutions for, as well as ongoing challenges as you guys are getting ready to launch this network. Uh, you alluded to the state not making it 100% easy for you. So so what do we still need to change in state law and, and what are you trying to solve with technology? Uh, well, the, on the state law part, um, the, the part we're running into is when you cross, have to cross a, into another municipality. And like I said, Dryden, um, we have two villages. So this is mostly an issue with bond council. I think anyone who's been like me is working in local government knows that they might be subsets, but this is a town-wide project. We have other town-wide services we give, we provide the people in the villages. Um, so we're going to have to work on a legislative solution to make it easier for us to collaborate with villages within our town at least. But there's also towns outside of Dryden that we might have to cross through their territory when we're running fiber. And it doesn't make a lot of sense from a resource standpoint to not to be able to offer service to this handful of residents in, this, in a neighboring town. And if the other town wants to you know, plug into our system even, which is you know, part of what I think might be technically possible with Sienna's solution, um, we have to get this worked out with the state legislature at you know, some point in the next year probably. Because we're, we're, we're already in the ground going. Mm -hmm. um, so that's one part of it. And I think the, maybe this new broadband office that the state is setting up will take care of that. Um, because if it's bond council that's nervous, the state could take care of that with direct loans or, or direct grants that where they specifically allow you to run through other municipalities. I think that would probably be the easiest solution. Maybe that's what they'll be thinking of. I hope they ask us. <laughs> um, because, you know, what I've seen in some other areas, like when I set up a, another office, and I'll just allude to the cannabis management one, you know, that it's not going as smoothly as people who are doing the work would hope. Mm -hmm. um, so, again, this is an area where they really should be talking to our town and the, and the couple of counties that are doing work in, on this exact issue right now so they can learn from us about what we've encountered and how they can help. And, you know, and, and that's, but then, but Sienna, um, you know, we, we got them, we, we chose them because they, you know, they were, you know, one of the, we had a number of you know, bigger companies that, that uh, applied, you know, I guess, bid on this project too, but Sienna's solution is the most flexible, but it's also, they were the most invested in, you know, getting into this municipal space. They want to be a partner more than here's our canned solution we've used for 10 years. 
and and they're also developing things that we want uh, like you know remote software and, and other you know technological you know help helpful <laughs> you know helpful pieces of technology that are that are they're not again building on something old it's something going to be something new that's going to evolve as our system evolves and also evolves along with all the other ones that are built because um, it, it's a, just like a hunt's interest and their interest to see Dryden succeed so that this experiment that's happening in New York continues because if we if we can't make it work in Dryden then you'll have a governor and a legislature questioning whether or not it's the right thing to allow right so you know, we have a, a little bit of pressure on us to succeed but we also have a, like Ryan said a lot of local support for this so and, um go ahead please and we're also competing directly in the private space so we're not mm -hmm. there's no mandate for anyone to sign up for this service we have to compete directly with all these other providers so we have our, our in is that we have, we have better technology and better customer service so you all have given me a lot of your time. I'm going to come to you, Ryan, to, to close us out. If you could tell us just when is this network supposed to launch? What are some, you know, next initial urgent steps for you all in this process? And, um, you know, what do you need from uh, the federal government? They have a lot of money now for broadband and they are favoring municipal broadband. How do you want to see um, those funds uh, being spent in New York? Well, I'll start with that question because that one's easy for me and it's, <laughs> It's uh, I'm a true believer in wireline service. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that some of the reason for the divide um, is because of uh, funding unsustainable technologies. And, uh, you know, that was a big piece. And what we were looking at is we wanted a 40 year technology, not a five year technology. So as far as uh, whether it's the federal government or the state government, the prioritization of fiber to the home projects would be a big thing. And then also just continue, continue to expand the definition of minimum broadband uh, commensurate with what's available. Because uh, you, what you see is you see the minimum broadband standard lag because of uh, theoretical throughputs and, and different things. But I think it really should be based on where the, the technology itself is. If a gigabyte per second is standard service for a wireline network, I think uh, the minimum service needs to be commensurate with that. And it's begun to move up towards 100, uh, 100 meg uh, as far as what they want to see, but it's still at 25 megabytes per second uh, download for the minimum download standards. So I think really what they need to do is bump that way up, commensurate mm -hmm. with where the technology is, and, and really prioritize fiber to the home projects. Um, and so it's a little bit easier to get to the money and to open up eligible service areas. Um, so, and, and then as far as uh, Dryden's schedule, uh, we have fiber in the ground. Our, uh, we just installed our first point of presence. Uh, so uh, we're getting power hooked up to that. Sienna will be out there to integrate the equipment. And we're offering to a pilot area first, uh, one of which is this furniture company Jason mentioned earlier. They're currently serving eight employees off a hotspot. So uh, that'll be a big difference for them. They're very excited about this. And we're going to offer the service to them for a couple months free while we iron things out. And nice. then once uh, that expires, they can just hold on to the equipment. If they have an existing service contract, we can wait for that to expire and just turn them up at that point. So um, that, And then once we get all that done and we get more funding, we're going to continue to expand until uh, we have ubiquitous coverage over the 94 square miles of driving. 
Right. Excellent. Um, I'm very excited about this as, as a New Yorker, especially, and I'm excited to keep up with, with this project as it progresses. So thank you all so much for taking some time for this today. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. And I got one thing. Just I don't Please, know I, I could aware. tell you want to say one more thing. Go for it. One more it. thing. <laughs> <laughs> when we're talking about, you know, the federal government supporting municipal broadband right now. Yes. It has to be pointed out that in 20, February 2021, the House Republican leadership proposed something called the Connect Bill, which would ban municipal broadband nationwide. Yep. So <laughs> who people vote for matters. I mean, if I were running for Congress in any state at this point, I would just point that out from day one till the election day, because they don't want this to happen. I'm giving you a standing ovation for all of your remarks today. Uh, I will remind everyone it is a midterm election year. Uh, there is a lot on the ballot, including municipal yeah. broadband. Um, so yeah, pay attention to your, your local elections and federal elections. Um, thank you so much. I would love to talk to you for the rest of the day, but I'm going to let you go solve broadband for uh, upstate New York instead. Um, thank you all. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Nicole. Thank you again, Jason, Ryan, and Gina for joining me. Thank you as well to our producer, Pierre Landriau, for making this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the Light Reading Podcast for more episodes of The Divide, as well as interviews and insights from the Light Reading team. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.